This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hey, everybody. Tom Ruich here. Welcome to the Story Power Podcast. Today's episode is titled, The Inner Game is Not a Joke. When I was a younger business person, I never thought much about mindset and the inner game. Meditation, not for me. Visualization, no thanks. Self-affirmation, not a chance. I think it was Stuart Smalley's fault. Remember him? He was a recurring character on Saturday Night Live in the 1990s. Al Franken played the part before he left SNL to become a politician. Poor Stuart was a mess. A caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. He hosted a show called Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. He opened each show by staring in the mirror and sheepishly saying, I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Most episodes ended with him saying, okay, this has not been my best show, but that's okay. And then he'd repeat that thing about being good enough and smart enough. Back in those days, various friends, advisors, and mentors encouraged me to focus on the inner game, adopt practices to build confidence, quiet self-criticism, clear the noise, embrace the calm. And when they suggested that stuff, I always pictured Stuart Smalley and thought, I'm not that guy. Not for me. No thanks. Not a chance. Good thing I got over that. These days, I have a bag full of tricks to master the inner game, to keep my head on straight, to stay focused, to quiet my demons. Here are just a few. Before I conduct a sales consultation or a public presentation, I repeat self-affirmations without a Stuart Smalley mirror. I picture the moment when prospects commit to buy. I imagine the conversation with my wife when I tell her about the day's successes. That boosts my confidence and control. I treat deep breathing as an exercise, part of my daily routine. It calms me. I meditate. It helps me control my thoughts and clear the junk from my head. I used to roll my eyes and laugh at this inner game stuff, but no longer because it works. I know so many business people who appear on the outside to be in total control, but on the inside, they're as messy as Stuart Smalley. They suffer from imposter syndrome. They crave progress, but they don't know where to begin. Their negative self-talk distracts them and destroys their focus. It paralyzes them. We invest time and dollars to learn 
all the best sales and marketing strategies to be better storytellers. We pay to employ the most powerful tools and tactics, but so many don't invest in themselves to master the inner game. And if you don't master the inner game, if you don't have the confidence, if you don't find the calm, if your head is full of junk, you'll get stuck. I got over the Stuart Smalley thing and began working on the inner game and I got unstuck. The inner game is not a joke. Try it. No one will laugh and roll their eyes at you. Which leads me to today's guest. Mary Kuthais is all about the inner game. For more than 20 years, Mary has coached business owners, executives, and leaders to link their thinking to their performance to catapult results. She's an expert in time management, communication skills, emotional intelligence, and leadership. So Mary, welcome to the Story Power Podcast. Glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Stuart Smalley. Have you I met love a that st- guy? <laughs> Loved him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we talked about Stuart a little bit before this, and and uh, you you told me you can relate to this story so well. Talk to me a little bit about the Stuart Smalleys that you've met along the way, and and the people who have sort uh, sort of worked past that surface level motivational poster stuff. Right, right. Well, one of the one of the challenges that Stuart had is he was saying the words, but he never believed it. He never shifted his thinking to actually believe that he could do that. So he continued to say the words into the mirror. But as you said, the term you used, it's very surface. Um, he didn't embody those ideas about himself. And so therefore he continued to do the same kind of a performance that he did every week. Yeah. And, and I know in my experience that there are a lot of people who operate that way. They, they might put some phrase up on a bulletin board and repeat it, or they might read a few uh, tips in a book and and go through the motions. Uh, is that something you see, uh, the people who are going through the motions? And how do you move people who are just going th- through the motions to a deeper form of, of exercise and, and, and progressing with the inner game? I, I absolutely do see a lot of um, reliance on motivational quotes or Instagram posts that are lovely and have something that's going to pick you up for the moment. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I would I would ask the people who making us who are making a steady diet if it's truly changing how they think. Is it truly changing their results? If the, if they're doing just that, the the um, there's a, there's actually a science behind how we think. It's not how we behave, it's how we think. It's not a personality, it's not a, a, a test of a, of a personality, but it's actually how we think. Mm-hmm. There's a, something called axiology, which is the science of value, and we won't go into that a whole lot, but there are 36 perspectives that every one of us has, and we either view those perspectives in a helpful way or in an unhelpful way. 
And let's just, as an example, a couple of the perspectives are appreciating your wisdom and having courage and conviction. Yeah. So when someone um, has a has a perspective that is unhelpful with regard to those two perspectives, the results that come out of that are going to be not appreciating their own wisdom and not having courage and conviction, which is in, in if you look at those posters, that's what it's trying to create for people a lot of the time. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and so on. Yeah. What we need to understand is that when, when we are trapped in that mode of thinking, when you are in that place, because Stuart recognized when he was going to head into a negative thinking pattern, and that was a really good thing. He took the next step in trying to change his thinking pattern, but the challenge was that what he actually did wasn't enough to change his thinking pattern. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, where this aligns, uh, I think you mentioned in, in the opening too about the whole idea of meditation. And when I talk about meditation with people, the term I usually use is building mental muscle because yeah. a lot of what meditation is, is understanding where our thoughts are in any given moment. So we're supposed to be focusing on our breathing. The moment that we realize we're not focusing on our breathing, we are meditating correctly because we've paid attention to our thoughts. It's the idea that I, when, I, when something happens, I tend to think in a way that is unhelpful. I'm going to choose in a way that is helpful. Yeah, so let's let's take this example of not appreciating your own wisdom because I work with a lot of coaches and thought leaders who are so wise and who have so much to give and when they're working with clients they are leveraging their wisdom, they're sharing their wisdom, they're confident, they're comfortable, they're on top of the game when they are in the mode of talking to prospects and selling and trying to form the stories that they're going to tell, they get very stuck often in not appreciating their own wisdom, in suffering from imposter syndrome, in, in, uh, in being fearful, in not being confident and not wanting to talk about themselves. And so let's take that example because it's very applicable to people in my audience and who are who are on the quest to tell more powerful stories and to be able to share information about themselves. How can they move from that mode of not appreciating their wisdom to appreciating their wisdom and 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 being more successful? Well, let, I'll I'll. I'll um... There's another perspective, which is called valuing yourself. Yeah. So that that might be um, one that they could tap into. If we use this as an example, so someone is going into a sales situation and um, maybe they actually do appreciate their own wisdom. They appreciate their wisdom. Maybe they do. And that's why they're so good with their client because they do believe that they know what they know. However, one of their liabilities might be valuing yourself. So if they don't value themselves, 
in this sales situation, oh, I shouldn't charge so much. This is asking too much. I should give this away for free, all that kind of thing. So what, what happens is when they know they're going to go into a sales situation and they know in this typical situation, I'm going to, I'm going to go right into this bias because as I said before, we, or I think I said before, we, we use our biases. We think with our biases 85% of the time wow. because it's habitual. So 15% of the time we're using our assets. So this person is habitually using this bias of not valuing themselves adequately. If in that moment that they're about to go into a sales situation, uh, there's a specific question that you ask yourself and it's called the central question. And it is what choice can I make and action can I take in this moment to create the greatest net value. Repeat that, Mary. Repeat that question. What choice can I make and action can I take in this moment to create the greatest net value? So so play it out as a hypothetical. Let's take that person who's not valuing themselves, where that's a deficit for them previously. And imagine you're coaching me um, because that's the state that I'm in. How would you help me reach a better answer to that question than I might be reaching without your your help? We perfect. We've we've talked about the first couple of steps, which is yeah. one, knowing what the trigger is, knowing when you're going to be triggered to be thinking with your bias. The second part of that step is asking the central question, which is what can I do? And in this um, in this general case, I mean, you can use that question in almost any aspect of business, but in this particular situation is I would do better. I would create net value, which is value for me, value for them, value for anybody that they interact with by shifting to thinking with one of my assets. Mm-hmm. Let's see, let me think, which asset should I use in this situation to give me, to go into this with confidence and to go into this recognizing that what I have to share has value, is important, will make, will help make a, a, an enormous impact on this person. Okay, I'm going to tap into my appreciating my wisdom because I do that when I'm talking to a client and the assets that we have, just like the biases are habitual. Yeah. It's just that because they're easy, we don't even recognize that we're using them. And, you know, and it's only 15% of the time. Yeah. So it's not about fixing whether or not you value yourself. It's not, it's when you, when you know what your biases are, there is no time spent, spent, spent on fixing them. It's just, let's shift it into one that is already a, a fantastic asset for me. And with each one of the, the, the assets, um, which Every perspective can be a bias or an asset, every one of them, and everybody gets different results. But um, when you shift into that, there are what's called centering questions for each asset. So you literally ask yourself these questions, a, a set of questions in a specific order to trigger your thinking in that way. And what it does is it, it literally shifts 
you into thinking, to, to getting you off the rutted path of the bias and onto the other better path of a way you know very well to think. You do it all the time. It's just that you tend not to use it in this situation. Yeah, I, I think that's so powerful. And the the most powerful thing you said a moment ago is this isn't about fixing something that's broken. It's about identifying those areas of assets and leveraging those to your advantage. We, when a lot of the coaches that I work with, a lot of the business leaders I work with, they have resistance to selling. As I said before, they're very comfortable in the leadership position and coaching and working with clients and doing whatever it is they do, and they do it well. But when they get to the point where they have to talk about it for the purpose of selling, for the purpose of moving a prospect, they feel uncomfortable, especially when part of the process is acknowledging, empathizing, and talking about a prospect's problems. They don't want to talk about what's keeping a prospect up at night or what a prospect fears or, or where a prospect is stuck. Because for many, they will say, well, that feels manipulative. That feels kind of icky. That, that is fear-based marketing. And my answer to that when we talk about it is, the difference between manipulation, fear-based manipulation, and persuasion is intent. And your intent is to help people, to serve people, to provide a valuable product and service. And if that is your intent, then what you are providing is not some sort of manipulative trick when you are trying to persuade them to act. What you are providing is a gift. And rationally, people understand that when I say that to them and when we discuss that. But emotionally, they get stuck in that, in that deficit thinking, in that rut. And they, they say, yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. But somewhere in their brain, they're thinking, yeah, if what I provide is of value. And what you're doing is providing a framework for them to say, well, we, yes, you do provide value. Tap into that asset, tap into that focus on your wisdom or whatever the particular asset may be, and you'll be able to push forward. I think it's really, really powerful. Let me, let me, if, if we have time, I can share with you one in particular. Um, it's not uncommon for coaches to have the asset nurturing others. Yeah. Not, un not uncommon at all. So um, I actually have this on my wall at all times. Yeah. Let me, let me just share with you really quick what the centering questions are for a person who has an asset of nurturing others. And it would be, um, what would it be like to be in their shoes, living their life? What really matters to them? What could make the biggest difference for them in this moment? What is good or unique about them that is worthy of appreciation? So you can see that if you're going into that and you're thinking, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be charging this much. This is going to be too much. They're going to say, no, what this does is it turns on the asset 
of nurturing others. It takes all of the focus off of the, the coach who's selling and puts them in the place of this is what I do. I listen. I, 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 I try to understand where they're coming from. I want to be in their shoes. I want to, to feel what they're feeling so that I can help them move in a direction that's more helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing how it, it can do that. And since they already have that asset, all they have to do is tap into it. It's just kind of like the ruby slippers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I love it because it, it's so aligned with what we teach and, and preach at Story Power Marketing that, that in order to connect with the prospect, you have to understand the journey that they wish to take. And it's all about empathizing. It's all about listening to the marketplace, listening to the prospect, understanding their needs, which includes understanding where they may be stuck, what may be frustrating them, and understanding where they want to go. So all of that is perfectly in line with what we talk about it at Story Power. What also is really important about what you're saying is that this is systematic. This There's a process here. There's a set of questions. There's a set of of analytics that you go through to discover your assets and and uh, and your deficits. We'll talk about that in a moment. And so I think for a lot of people, when they think about inner game, when they mm -hmm. think about how to feel more confident, you know, they picture Stuart Smalley uh, staring at a mirror and and and, and the notion is that it's some sort of magic that you conjure, that you you manifest things, that that it's all just hocus pocus. And it's really easy to dismiss it if that's how you view it. But what you're talking about, you used the phrase earlier, there is science to support this. And there is a set process and a there are triggers that you can identify. There are questions you ask when you when the, uh, you identify it. So talk a little bit about this system and this process. How do I discover what my assets are, what my deficits are? How do I discover what the centering questions are? Uh, uh, several decades ago, a, a gentleman named uh, Robert Hartman, who's the father of axiology, which is the science of value. He created the Hartman Value Profile. And it is the assessment that we use in the self-leadership program to determine where the person's biases and assets are in this moment. Uh, we call it the VQ Profile. And uh, it's, it's interesting because there are no questions on the assessment. There, it's mm -hmm. a no question assessment. There are a couple of lists and you put things in order on the list. And where you put things in the order on the lists is what identifies where your assets and your biases are. So it's going to be different for everyone, obviously. Um, there is a uh, there is a 100% right way the list could go because um, what has value has been quantified through the science, but that's not as important as knowing where you are because the, the science isn't who you are, it's where you are in this moment. And when you... When you take this assessment, what comes out of it is learning what um, several of your biases are and several of your assets are. So you, you learn your biases so that you can recognize them. And we learn a few more of our biases than we do our assets 
because we're using our biases so much more than we're yeah. using our assets. And the truth is, sometimes a couple of assets, if we use them more, can counteract 10, 15, 20% of the biases mm -hmm. just by using one or two of them. So it's, it's all right, here's, here's how it turned out my biases are. I look at this report and I say, is this me? And I, me or none of my colleagues have ever had someone say, yeah, that's not me at all. It's <laughs> like, wow, how did it get that information from the way I answered that? It's, it's, it's crazy, but it's a validated research tool. And, um, but also when we look at their assets and I say, do these ring true to you? It's like, they do. I mean, this is absolutely me. So once you know that, and it's sort of, you know, the situations, here are the triggering situations that are going to make me dive right into a bias. It could be having a disagreement. It could be someone telling you you're wrong. It could be, um, uh, you know, any, any kind of situation where things are going in a bad direction, you can be guaranteed that you're thinking with one of your biases. Because if you weren't, it would be going better. Right. So it's just, it's just we pick out some of the ones that are most common. For instance, if someone is struggling with sales, what aspect of sales are they struggling with? And what bias is related to that? So we look at that and you say, okay, here's where it's hitting me. And let me tap into this asset. In that moment, I'm going to ask myself the central question, which we do to, to start the process to the next step is I'm going to tap into an asset. That's the choice I can make right now is to tap into an asset. And then I ask myself the centering questions. You may think, oh gosh, that's really going to be hard to do in the middle of a meeting. Well, what you do is you, you learn this and then over time, you've practiced it enough because practice is everything. You practiced it enough so that you remember to tap into it more frequently and, and, and you, you know in advance, this is, always, this is always something that gets me. This person always pushes my buttons. Yeah. You prepare in advance. And tapping into it, I assume, becomes second nature, becomes almost subconscious. I mean, that's over, over the long haul. That's what we want. Because what's interesting about it is they are doing that. We are tapping into our assets subconsciously just like we're tapping into our biases. So the idea that we will just tap into that asset in this other um, more contentious situation, it, it makes sense that we could because we're already doing it. Yeah. We just have to do it more in this situation. So Mary, repeat the name of the assessment and then tell us how, if someone is interested, they can run through the assessment and get help to analyze it and act on it? The, the assessment is called the VQ profile and the program, the, the um, program to, to find out what yours is all about and how you can use it to harness your assets further is called self-leadership one, two, three. Hmm. It's a three, a three section program go, takes about eight weeks and we go through and it, brings um, forth um, in, a, in a customized way what's going on with this particular person and what specifically they can do 
to achieve something that they outline at the beginning of the program. It's not that this will be the only goal or, or um, ambition that they have forever, but for this or the duration of the program, it's what do I want to focus on? Do I want to increase my client base? Do I want to be able to have more, um, you know, 10 conversations a week with prospects, whatever it is. And so we use that during the program with all the information that comes from their report. So it can be something that's real world, not just right. some pretend, some pretend idea for what you want to achieve. And there aren't very many of us right now that are certified in this assessment. So um, it's it's really new in the in in the way that it's being delivered, but the science has been around for decades. And what's exciting is that it's so digestible for the average person. Um, I hadn't used the assessment for many many years before this because the report that came out of it was just too too sciency. It was mm-hmm. too hard to share. So they can get in touch with me, and I'd love to chat with them about it. I do a short intro for people where you learn about two biases and one asset. And um, it just takes an hour to kind of see how it would work, see how it, how it would go for you. And though that's a, that's a no charge um, opportunity for people. And then at the end of that, we determine, do they want to go forward and, and do the entire program and get more of their, see more of their biases and more of their assets. Excellent. So how do people get in touch with you to, take that small bite and discover whether moving forward makes sense. The the best way is probably email mary at mckcoaching.com. They're also more than welcome to call or text. And that is 314-313-4996. My website is mckcoaching.com and there's a contact form on there. And I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn very regularly. So any of those places. Terrific. Will you repeat those? There was a little audio hiccup there in the middle. Okay. So repeat all of it one more okay. time. Um, easiest way to get a hold of me is email mary at mckcoaching.com. They're also welcome to phone or text at 314-313-4996. My website is mckcoaching.com and there's a contact form. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Twitter so we can connect there. Excellent. Any parting thoughts, Mary? Uh, it's, I'm so excited about the fact that this, this instrument and this science is available to everyone now because axiology is the science of value neuroscience is the study of the brain. And so axiogenics brings those two together. And it's something that all of us can use, all of us can tap into. And things like EQ are still so important. And when you have the underpinning of how you think, then improving your EQ becomes exponentially easier. Because everything we do is rooted in how we think. So doesn't it make sense to understand it as much as possible and to know where we're coming from as much as possible? Yeah, that's excellent. Mary, I am so happy that we were able to spend some time together uh, today. I'm going to check out the assessment that you were talking about, the hour-long opportunity. And I encourage everybody who's listening, contact Mary 
uh, in case you missed this detail, the initial step, understanding a couple of, of your assets um, and, and deficits is a free and short assessment. And yep. what do you have to lose? So contact Mary and, uh, and she'll be able to uh, expose you in, in more detail to all of this so that you can discover whether it's a good fit for you and you can benefit from it. So Mary, thanks again. We'll see you down the road. Have a great day. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.